the Daily Rios for December 12th, 2012. 12-12-12. It's New Comics Wednesday. I have a few selections here from the list of books that are coming out today that I think are noteworthy. And then I'm going to throw some Marvel Now reviews from last week at you at the end of the episode. So let's start. Dark Horse, Fear Agent Library Edition Hardcover Volume 1, starring the character of Heath Houston. And this is over 450 pages. It's 8x12, and it's $49.99. It's by writer Rick Remender, with art featuring just a slew of great artists. Tony Moore, doing artwork that you want to see from Tony Moore. Not necessarily the artwork that he's putting out for Deadpool right now. Uh, Jerome Pena, Francesco Francavilla, Kieran Dwyer, and others. And this is, the blurb here is, When down-and-out alien exterminator Heath stumbles upon an extraterrestrial plot to commit genocide against the human species, he must put down the bottle and resume his role as a peacekeeper, as the last fear agent. This is the first of two omnibus and on the buy, and this collects issues 1 through 15 of the series, and also some other little side stories, covers pinups, and sketch galleries. I've read about a handful of Fear Agents comics, but they are definitely worth it, and uh, it's one of those... It's becoming one of those standards, uh, a comic that is just good, and, and you, you ha- maybe you have it on your shelf for a while, or you always see it on the shelf, and you never pick it up, but... Here's a way to pick it up if you if you like the library edition um, format. From DC, DC Comics New 52-0 Issues Omnibus. This is kind of a companion of sorts to the 52 Omnibus that collected all the first issues a while back. This is over 1,300 pages, 150 bucks, collecting all the zero issues... Most of them that uh, most of them tell sort of like origin stories, or they set up the second year of a lot of titles. So it makes sense that it's kind of like a bookend to uh, to the first omnibus that collected all the first issues. And then also from DC Commandy, Last Boy on Earth omnibus volume two, collecting uh, the original run from issues twenty one through forty. They're calling it the final. Omnibus, which kind of stinks because there's only 19 more issues left in the series. I think it goes up to like 59, so I, I don't know. I think DC should uh, finish it out. I know it's not those issues aren't necessarily Kirby issues. Uh, issue 40 is where he stops, but come on, just, just finish it out. Give it a, a volume 3 and you have the entire thing uh, traded. From Image, I mentioned this in a previous episode two months back. Change, one of four. Story by Alice Cott, art by Morgan Jeske. A foul-mouthed, struggling screenwriter who moonlights as a car thief. An obscenely wealthy rapper completely disconnected from the real world. A dying cosmonaut on his way back to Earth. Los Angeles is being toyed with by destructive forces that repeatedly find the city through time and swallow it whole. And those three are the only people able to save it. If they survive the fanatics who live in the hills, national security agency agents, and the horrors that lurk in the Pacific Ocean. The cover art looks interesting. There's a lot of early buzz. Try it out. From Marvel, the Marvel Now issues that I guess I'll be reading for review uh, either this week or next week. The new titles, Avengers Arena number 1 miniseries by Dennis Hopeless and art by Kev Walker. 
and Cable and X-Force number one, also with writer Dennis Hopeless and Salvador LaRocca on the art. Dennis Hopeless coming to us by way of, I don't, I don't know how long ago it was that I read uh, Gearhead, which also kind of introduced me to Kevin Mellon. This was, God, it has to go back 96, 97, maybe, or 80, uh, 2006, 2007. They're not that far back. And he's done some other, Dennis has done some other projects along the way, including, I believe, one of the season one graphic novels from Marvel where they're retelling uh, the origin stories of certain characters. Also in uh, continuing titles from Marvel now, we have Avengers Assemble number 10, Fantastic Four number 2. I don't think Dark Avengers 184, it has the Join the Revolution slogan on the bottom, but not necessarily the Marvel Now branding, so I'm unsure about that, but I doubt I'll read that. And then there's also Iron Man 4, even though Iron Man 3 came out last week, and they're doing these back-to-back now. I, I don't think I'll be reading that. Uh, and two more here. We have the Anomaly hardcover. This, I also talked about this in an earlier previous episode. This is the graphic novel that they are claiming is the largest full-color graphic novel, even though originally... In the preview solicits, they just claimed it was the largest graphic novel, period. Check it out for yourself. It's at experienceanomaly.com. There's a lot of preview pages on there and some artwork. Uh, it's a kind of takes place in 2717, so it's a futuristic tale. And it, it kind of looks interesting. We'll, we'll see how it, how it plays out. And then from first second, TM Fam's Sumo. And this is an original graphic novel. And I'll include a link for this as well. And it says, Scott is a washed-up football player who never made it and whose girlfriend abandoned him along with his dreams of playing pro football. But things have a way of working out in this sweet poetic tale. And a new chapter in Scott's life begins as the old one ends. Offered a position in a Japanese sumo training stable, Scott abandons his old life, his old name, and even his old hair color and becomes an aspiring sumo wrestler. And in so doing... He begins to find some kind of center in himself, a center that had seemed lost for good. Looks like a very sweet, simple story. Uh, just something that caught my eye on the other publishers list. And yet again, another week where I didn't see much. I guess not a lot is being put out at the end of the year here. Um, but uh, nonetheless, some good stuff this week. So that's it for New Comics Wednesday, and I'll be back with some reviews. Hi, my name is Ben Lucius. In 1998, I created the pulp adventure hero, The Black Coat. It's kind of a cross between James Bond and Batman, but it's set during the American Revolution, uh, 1775, in New York City, right before the war. Uh, so he's battling some pirates, uh, redcoats, and of course, some monsters. So when is the next series coming out? Well, I think you can guess that's why we're here. The Kickstarter community is uh, learning a lot about the comic book industry and independent comics in particular. And, uh, coming to realize that it's, it's expensive to put out a book. Um, we have a story. Uh, Dean Kotz, who drew the last series, is on board for another installment. Ape Entertainment has uh, already agreed to publish uh, whatever we produce. And so we're coming to you, our fans, fans of independent comics, uh, to help us produce a 66-page graphic novel that tells the further adventures of America's first super spy. This new book is that new series, uh, full of stories that we've been waiting to tell, and fans have been waiting to read, and uh, you can make it happen.
All right, Marvel Now reviews continuing. These are from December the 5th, so last week. And I read All New X-Men number 3. I read Red She-Hulk 60, Thunderbolts number 1, and Avengers number 1. Now, Iron Man 3 and Deadpool 3 also came out last week. But as I tweeted a couple days ago, uh, I said that I read them, and that's about as much a review I want to do on them. Although I did like the dark armor, the, the black and gray armor in Iron Man 3. Other than that, those two issues, uh, even though I said I was done reading Iron Man and Deadpool, now I'm really done reading Iron Man and Deadpool. Alright, so Red She-Hulk 60. Another issue, like the second issue where something sort of comes up and I go, oh, okay, yet another reason to kind of read it again. I, I still don't like the book. Uh, it's not bowling me over. But uh, Jeff Parker is starting to play around with some of the concepts that Jonathan Hickman created for S.H.I.E.L.D., for his series S.H.I.E.L.D. with Dustin Weaver, which is a fantastic series. And in Red She-Hulk 60 we learn that there's this whole thing called a world computer, and um, we learn it because uh, Machine Man, who really gets a lot of spotlight in this issue, uh, it really feels like Betty Red She-Hulk is a supporting character in her own book, um, Machine Man meets Nikola Tesla from the S.H.I.E.L.D. series, but it's a different. it looks like it's a different Nikola Tesla. It looks, he looks younger. And in S.H.I.E.L.D., he's much older. So that's kind of cool and interesting, and it makes me want to stick around for the fourth part of this uh, story arc. So that's, you know, that's about all I can say about that series. Um, All-New X-Men 3 felt like Uncanny X-Men 0 because it, it's a spotlight on Cyclops, Magneto, Magic, and Emma. And those are the X-Men that will be featured in Uncanny X-Men by uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Chris Pachala, which, does that come out to this week? I forget. This really focused on that side of things in this book, in this all-new X-Men book. Uh, but I still liked it. Uh, I liked the writing, I liked the art, I liked the pacing. Um, they're playing around with those characters that... The Phoenix Force took over during AVX, and now it's, we're starting to see some consequences of having that power. Cyclops, Emma, Magneto, and even Magic, uh, all of them, uh, their powers aren't necessarily the same that they were before, which uh, could be interesting. And whoever, So I assume whoever else also was infected with the Phoenix Force uh, probably might have the same, happen, same thing happen to them. There's a scene with between Magneto and Cyclops that's really good. Cyclops keeps blaming it on all of his actions on the Phoenix Force, and, and Magneto says, hey, look, you know, I've been possessed many times, and I've certainly felt certain things like you did, but you know what, deep down, it really is you. It, no matter what you may think, it really comes from you. Which I, I thought that was an interesting scene, and I thought they play, Bendis played that out very well. The art isn't as defined as the first two issues, some of this could maybe be the double shipping pace is starting to rear its head here and catch up with the uh, Stuart Eminem. The lines are a little bit rougher. It feels like it's um, it feels like the pencils might be a looser breakdown, and then the inker is coming in and, and kind of polishing everything up. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. It's still good. It's still very good. I'm still enjoying it, but the art does feel a little 
not as polished, basically is what I'm really saying as, as the first issue. Doesn't mean I feel it's rushed or anything like that, and it's not bad, it's just not as polished. So then the two new books, Thunderbolts number one and Avengers number one. Uh, Thunderbolts number one by Daniel Way and Steve Dillon. I read this in about two minutes, probably, which is kind of bad. The artwork is, I don't know, it's it's not... It's not bad, it's just not overly creative. It's not imaginative. It's very kind of standard, bland Steve Dillon. And I like Steve Dillon's artwork. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it certainly played a part in, in Preacher and in Garth Ennis's run on The Punisher. So The Punisher feels, as a character, feels kind of right. It feels kind of comfortable under the Steve Dillon artwork. But it's very just sort of generic and very perpendicular, very up and down, and people are either horizontal or they're vertical, and even when the panel is tilted, it's still kind of the same way. They're vertical. They're, I don't know. It's just very strange. Um, I thought the shot of Elektra was really weird. His artwork just didn't seem to kind of fit her, her appearance, and, and the coloring tr almost gave it a Greg Land look in the face, very photo-esque, and that's not Steve Dillon's artwork at all. The whole premise of the book is Thunderbolt Ross comes to Punisher and says, hey, I have a deal for you, uh, 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 a prospect for you, and he does the same thing with uh, Venom, with Deadpool, with uh, um, with Elektra. There's this new female character that I don't know if she's necessarily new. Um, you know, I'm certainly not immersed in Marvel these days like I, I have been in previous years, so I don't know if this is a, a new character or an established character. We'll learn more of her, about her, I, I assume. Ross gives him this pitch, and it kind of feels like the book and the writer and the story is giving us, the readers, a pitch as well. Almost as if to say, you know, stick with us, or buy this, and, and go along with it for the run, and, and we'll fill you in as we go. Uh, I liked it. I, I did. I liked the, I liked the issue. I, it It's not high on my list for Marvel now. Um, I don't think it's really necessarily original or creative it doesn't feel too far from even uncanny x-force on some level you could also put some of these characters in as stand-ins you know like Elektra and Psylocke obviously Deadpool and Deadpool Way has written some of these characters before Punisher and Deadpool Steve Dillon has drawn Punisher so it feels a bit of a homecoming more than something new or something now uh I don't know we'll see how far I get with this series and then we get to Avengers number one, which is without a doubt, for my particular tastes in comics, the best thing about Marvel now to date. It is amazing. I loved it. Jonathan Hickman, Jerome Pena, who doesn't seem like an, uh, an obvious choice for this kind of book, but the, it, it, so, it is so good. It is so good, so creative very different. It feels like this is exactly what Marvel now should be doing. The cover is a little wonky. I love Dustin Weaver, but the angle and the backlighting makes it a little, something about it that just doesn't sit well with well with me. But that's a minor point. Um, the story is uh, takes place after sort of everything that's going on with uh, the wrap up of Bendis's Avengers, and Iron Man comes up with this idea based on something that Captain America said about the Avengers needing to be bigger. And and again, Jonathan Hickman is all about ideas, and Iron Man has this idea on how to make things bigger. 
And the way to visualize that for the readers, Hickman created this really awesome diagram. And I swear the diagram looks like the emblem that was created for us over at Comic Geek Speak. I want to say it was a listener named Soda that created it for us. So, uh, if you look at just the emblem, not the logo Comic Geek Speak, but the emblem that we used for the for the letter O, where it has these two spikes off uh, each side, which represent the S, and then the C and the G, the G is backwards, and those are in the middle, it's a circle. This Avenger symbol actually looks like that. It's really kind of weird. So anyway... Uh, in the inner spokes, we have Captain America, we have Hawkeye, we have Thor, we have Iron Man, um, Black Widow, and the Hulk. Pretty much the, the, the movie Avengers, right? And then there's a secondary circle. Well, well, first of all, in within that spoke, there's inner connections within them. You know, Captain America connects with Iron Man, but Captain America also connects to the Hulk and Thor. Uh, Iron Man connects to Hawkeye and Black Widow. Um, and then there's some interconnections along the way. So then on the outer circle, off of Captain America, he has his own sort of line or spoke. Iron Man has his own line. Thor and Hawkeye have theirs. And then the interesting thing about it is off of that spoke from Captain America and Iron Man, there's this long, longer spoke leading to one singular circle, um... Most of those circles, most of those inner circles are filled up with symbols that represent other characters that we see on the final page, but there's some empty spaces, and then all the way off, like I said, from Captain America and Iron Man, there's these two empty symbols, spaces, that I don't know, I don't know what they're going to represent, and does this, right away, there's so much story potential, there's character interplay, what, what are these teams, how are they going to relate to each other? Why are they divided this way? It feels very much like, and I've seen, and I've seen this on a couple of reviews um, about this issue. It almost feels very Morrison JLA, where Grant Morrison took his uh, JLA and personified them based on the Greek gods. So Superman was Zeus, and Wonder Woman was Hera, and Batman was um, Hades. And uh, the um, let's see, Flash was uh, Hermes, obviously, or Mercury, uh, and so on. And then when he brought in the secondary seven members to make round it out to a full fourteen, he brought in characters like Steel, which took over the god role of Hephaestus or Vulcan. Um, there was um, Huntress, which was Artemis. There was Plastic Man, who was Dionysus. So he had this really... He thought about it in, in that term, in this Pantheon term. And this is kind of... I get this little bit of a feeling from with Hickman's Avengers, too. He's, he's not quite doing the same thing, but uh, I like this diagram, and I like him putting these characters in certain positions, because then all of a sudden, with just the two diagrams that we see in issue one... There are already all these story potentials. I'm, I'm like, well, what about this? And what about this grouping? And where does this fall in? And what are these empty spaces? And obviously, that's something that he's going to groove on. And I, I love it. I thought this issue was just great. I thought the artwork was great. It's different for an Avengers team. I guess you could say so was Lionel Francis Yu. That was kind of different, too, when he was on the book. Um, but the art 
it, the art team is, is just knocking it out of the park. Dean White's coloring, um, the artwork, I love it. I just really, really love it. I also like all the little potential story bits that Hickman threw in. Maybe it, maybe they happen in the future, like the light and the war and the fall. Very simple. Um, the opening had a very crisis feel to it. Uh, it starts off with the whole big bang. <laughs> it was awesome. I loved uh, the very old school Hulk that Jerome Pena drew when there was that splash page of the team in the middle of the book. I, I like the way that Jerome Pena makes Captain America's new costume actually work. Since he's the one who he's the one who designed it initially, so it works to his sensibilities. Uh, great first issue. I so want more. And if you read it and you still can't figure out some of those symbols, um, we have Captain America and his uh, spoke leads to Spider Woman, uh, Captain Marvel, Falcon, and Shang Chi because that's the Chi symbol for fire. If you look at Iron Man, he has all the mutants. He, uh, he has Wolverine. Uh, Spider-Man, who's not a mutant, obviously. Uh, and then Sunfire and Cannonball. Uh, Thor has a very cosmic th uh, grouping with Hyperion. The new Captain Universe, which I'm wondering if that's the old Photon, the old Monica Rambeau. Um, and then he also has a female Smasher. And Hawkeye has a character called um, Man Manifold. And it's from the old Secret Warriors uh, series. Not the old series, but you know what I mean. And obviously, like I said, there's some empty spaces, so we'll, we'll be seeing more characters. I'm digging it. I dig this issue. I think it is the best of the bunch. It is the most creative book that Marvel now has put out so far. And um, I will be getting this for the long run. So there you go. There's some Marvel Now reviews. Obviously, there's a whole bunch of stuff that came out today, as I said in the New Comics Wednesday section. I'll get to them whenever I can. Uh, so that's it. So let me know what you're reading and what you're enjoying. Peter at thedailyreels.com. Leave a comment on the website. Leave a review on iTunes. And I will see you tomorrow.